All this week, we're talking about incarceration in America. Yesterday, we talked about juvenile justice and whether or not life in prison is cruel and unusual punishment for teenage offenders. You can actually listen back to that conversation at our website. Today, we're talking about solitary confinement. That means spending at least 23 hours of the day in isolation. Right now, at this very moment, there are at least 25,000 prisoners in solitary confinement. And according to the U.N., the U.S. has more inmates held in solitary than any other democratic country. We talked about this last week in reference to a well-known inmate, one Bradley Manning. He's a soldier accused of leaking confidential documents to WikiLeaks. Manning was in solitary confinement 23 hours a day for 11 months. Here's Juan Mendez, a U.N. special rapporteur on torture. He never committed a, a violent act. He never, you know, did anything to harm anybody, uh, uh, let alone himself. So, you know, to keep him in those conditions for so many months um, amounts to pain and suffering that's associated with cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. And in fact, thousands of inmates in California being held in solitary confinement are now petitioning the, petitioning the U.N. to stop this practice. Joining us now, Daniel Mears, an expert on prisoner isolation and professor in the College of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Florida State University, and Christopher Epps, Commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Thanks to you both for joining us. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having us. Daniel, I wonder your thought about solitary confinement, especially when it's extended, being by definition cruel and unusual punishment. Is that true? People disagree on that. There's clearly a large body of psychological research that shows that people tend to, uh, um, if they have a mental illness, it gets worsened. If they don't have a mental illness, they they tend to develop them while incarcerated. Uh, It's a little bit like with uh, debates about terrorism. I mean, the people are going to disagree, but the large body of scholars tend to agree that that it is cruel and that it's certainly unusual. And Christopher Epps, Commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections, Mississippi is actually moving away from this model. It's, it's the super maximum security prisons or supermax prisons where uh, most prisoners are kept in solitary. Uh, the number of prisoners in solitary in Mississippi went from 1,000 in 2007 to just 300 today. Why? Well, one of the reasons, Celeste, is that we found out it wasn't working. Uh, that was the culture in Mississippi, and I've been working in the system over 30 years. And uh, it wasn't working. Inmates was restless. They was angry. And uh, as the gentleman who was on with me stated, uh, many times if they didn't have a mental illness already, uh, they developed one, and those with mental illness weren't getting the proper treatment. Well, Christopher, what was that? You say it wasn't working. What's the goal of putting a prisoner in solitary? The the goal is is to house, is to first make sure you have a uh, proper classification instrument, and that instrument has been validated. So make sure you're not overclassifying or underclassifying. In addition to that, the goal is to make sure that you are separating the most violent from the general population. And ultimately, you want to protect staff and inmates uh, and property alike. And so with all that, all that being said, what you want to do is treat those single sales as prime real estate. But for those inmates who are in those prime real estate sales, you got to give them some. And if you don't, what end up happening is you're going to end up having more violence. And if you treat them like animals, that's exactly the way they'll behave. Daniel, are they treated like animals? What exactly happened? I mean, are they literally just left in a tiny cell by themselves for 23 hours out of the day? 
Well, it's a really interesting question, uh, and, and actually a, a big concern. When I first started doing research on supermax prisons, one of the things that popped out that, that continues to this day is they're largely a black box. It's a very expensive thing that we've done. It's obviously garnered a lot of criticisms, but the, you know, and for that reason, you'd think we would know a lot. We'd know who goes in, for how long do they go in, what happens to them, do they engage in assaults, or um, uh, do they get victimized, uh, and what happens when they get back into the prison population, what happens when they get out. There's a host of questions like that, and by and large, we really don't know. The only thing we do know is that while in confinement, they typically don't have access to any programming. Uh, they don't get visited. Uh, it's pretty much that the main theme for most inmate accounts is that they're bored. It's just literally they're sitting there by themselves, pacing, a lot of them engage in counting behavior just to kind of pass the time. But it's, uh, that you're, We're speaking about solitary confinement, and supermax prisons are super maximum security prisons where most solitary confinements occur. Daniel Mears, uh, isolation expert and professor in the College of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Florida State University, and Christopher Epps, who's commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Uh, Christopher, solitary confinement is also used as a punishment, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a punishment. And many times, if you don't have an accountability system in place as it relates to documentation to warrant that the person needs to be in there, I mean, they could be placed in there for something as simple as not cleaning up the area or breaking child line or something that's not a threat. And what happens many times is that when you got a large number like we had, a thousand, many times those classification hearings that they should be given routinely, they don't happen. And so the person just stays longer and longer and longer, and they become angry and angry and angry. But Christopher, are, are prisons limited in the number of disciplinary tools they have? Uh, some are, but as a whole, I would uh, caution and give guidance to to anyone, and uh, as I often do across the country, and that is you need a lot of tools in your tool bag. And again, that's your validation. You need to get assistance, you know, from the National Institute of Corrections, uh, from someone who knows what they're doing to train your staff. You also need to have a tracking, uh, tracking mechanism in place. Uh, accountability system in place uh, so you just can't lock people up at random. In addition to that, you got to make sure that you communicate with your external stakeholders as well as your internal stakeholders. That's Christopher Epps of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. And let me go back to you, Daniel Mears. You're an expert on isolation. Why are there more people kept in solitary confinement in the U.S. than other democratic countries? Why is that? Uh, no one really knows. I, you know, the, the general storyline that, that tends to emerge is that in the 1980s and 90s, the United States went on kind of a, a get-tough correctional, you know, criminal justice spree. So it passed tougher sentencing laws, longer sentences. The general idea is that somehow nothing else will work and we need to teach offenders a lesson. And Supermax prisons seem to fit that logic. The idea within the prison system is we're going to be even tougher with inmates, and we're going to show them who's in control. And there's a certain, a certain appeal to it, um, I, for, certainly for many Americans. Uh, when I did interviews with some commissioners, you know, a, a number of them that I talked to said that in some cases they didn't ask for Supermax. What they really wanted was a, an upgrade to an existing maximum security facility. 
but the legislators sometimes were pushing for supermax. And I emphasize that to say that, you know, I think there's a political dimension to this, that many legislators, many states felt like they needed to show that they were tough on crime. Um, and I think that's a part of the reason why we have them. Uh, this is a second conversation just this hour about uh, laws that were, were politically based that end up having complications. So what, what happens with an inmate, Daniel, when they're in solitary confinement? Do they get to make a complaint? Can they call their lawyer at some point to try to get out of solitary? Inmates in Supermax have all sorts of, or, or isolation, they have all sorts of rights, you know, the protocols about what you're supposed to do with them. There's all sorts of rules uh, and privileges, but, you know, the reality tends to be that they don't, um, we don't know really what happens to the appeals. Again, I'd go back to the black box. You know, the most, uh, you know, notorious cases get documented in the news, but for the vast bulk of people in Supermax, we really don't know what happens to their appeals, how often there are, you know, uh, Mr. Epps was noting the assessment. We don't know how often the assessments are done, how well they're done, whether they're followed. Um, again, that, that's not to say that, that correctional facilities and systems are, are trying to do a bad job. In many cases, it's the opposite. Um, but with something as extreme as Supermax, what you'd like is to not have to trust that things are working right. You'd like to know they are. And we simply don't have any evidence about that. It's Daniel Mears, isolation expert, professor in the College of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Florida State University. Christopher Epps, would you get rid of isolation altogether? Well, not altogether because it's a tool that you need as it relates to providing public safety. But, uh, you know, I would just suggest that we across the country remember that once you put them in that cell, you got to give them something. And many times it's other than that one hour for exercise and a shower. Mm -hmm. And you also got to work with, you know, the other side, such as, you know, the ACLU and that's Margaret Winters that we did, and also Dr. Jim Austin, uh, who was very helpful in validation of our classification estimate. Understood. It's Christopher Epps, Commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Ira Flato, host of Science Friday. For over 30 years, the Science Friday team has been reporting high-quality science and technology news, making science fun for curious people by covering everything from the outer reaches of space to the rapidly changing world of AI to the tiniest microbes in our bodies. Audiences trust our show because they know we're driven by a mission to inform and serve listeners first and foremost with important news they won't get anywhere else. And our sponsors benefit from that halo effect. For more information on becoming a sponsor, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.